What is up, everybody, and welcome to episode 278 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, is our typical Sunday evening time slot, and I am joined, as often, by Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. Hey, Brad. Good to be on. Another week closer to opening day. We're about oh, less than four weeks now to, to opening day as of recording this, so exciting times and obviously still a ways to go, but we are we're seeing the end of the light at the end of the tunnel at this point. Yeah, we're almost there. Um, before, before we dive into a little bit of spring stuff, and then of course the main event on the on the podcast today is going to be the rotation preview. I do want to we we always do this, but I want to go ahead and plug our written content of which you contribute. I don't really anymore. I'm kind of retired from writing, but um, all kinds of stuff on the on the uh, on the site about season preview and game for game and all of that kind of stuff. You want to check all that out because. In a moment, you'll hear that Scott and I are going to kind of breeze through the first week of the of spring training. <laughs> uh, so all that stuff is there. Also, uh, we have sort of a new feature. Um, our our fearless leader, Chris Willis, has been doing these locker room app chats that actually might pop up on this, on this feed every once in a while. But uh, Chris and those guys are having fun on those. If you enjoy the live conversation of that kind of a podcast within a podcast, joining out with that stuff, locker room app is there. You can check it out on the site. That is there as well. Um, so I, I tease this, but Scott, I'm going to say something and it might be controversial and you may not agree mm-hmm. with me, but I have a really hard time knowing what to do with the first week or two of spring training. And it's because the sample size is so small that I don't care about the results really at all. Uh, and unless something crazy happens, I just don't have a lot to say about like what happened game to game. Like the Braves are four and three right now in spring training. Today's game was their first nine inning game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they got rained out on Saturday as well. So like, there's stuff we could talk about, but I, I honestly just don't want to do a lot of that. I mean, if, if something crazy like is an outlier, we'll touch on it. But that's kind of my feeling. I know people don't agree with me, and that's uh, that's okay. But I just have a hard time. Not I trust me. If it's on, I'll watch it. Um, TV is kind of tough sometimes. In the last week, there was a couple games that like were basically you couldn't find them anywhere. But I'll watch. But I, I don't have takeaways. Like it's hard mm-hmm. for me right now. I don't know. At, at this point in the spring, I'm with you to an extent. And as you said, today's game was on. MLB Network. So yes, I tuned in for the first six or seven innings before things got kind of weird. Um, absolutely. Hey, if, if the Braves are playing, I'm, I'm interested. I'm certainly taking note. But at this point in the spring, you're really just hoping everybody's healthy. Everybody's shaking off the rust, especially after how weird last year was, right? Where there was no minor league season for pretty much everyone other than the couple of guys at the alternate site. It was a 60-game sprint instead of the normal 162-game marathon, et cetera, et cetera. Um, At this point in the spring, I think you're really just making sure everyone is healthy. It's so far so good in that regard. I'm going to, you know, I'm virtually knocking on wood here as as I say that. But so far, things are going well. And, And I'm with you. I think, you know, give it another week or two, and then I think people can really start to dive in on on. Uh, results and, and not that you ever want to overanalyze a three-game winning or a three-game losing streak in the middle of March, but at this point in the year, I think most players would tell you they're really just getting their reps in, seeing live pitching for the first time in a couple couple of months. Pitchers are making sure that nothing feels weird. They're they're building up velocity, all that good stuff. So um, good to have the guys out there for sure, and to have a full week of games, as you said. I think this was their first nine-inning game they've played so far. But at this point, you really just want to make sure everyone's doing well and and staying healthy and getting ready for the the grueling six months of 162 games. 
Yeah, that's you said it better than I did. Uh, but that that's all. Uh, that's all. I would back up all of that. Um, there was little stuff to mention. Like Max Free was bumped this week because of potential COVID exposure, and then he returned to camp on Saturday. Seems to be on schedule. We'll talk about him more in the second half of the podcast. Um, there was one interesting quote that I'm not sure you, if you saw it or not from Brian Snicker um, on Sunday. Somebody asked him if it was going to be the opening day lineup that he ran out there today, basically. And he said, and I quote here, I believe it was from DOB that said this, but uh, yeah, you'd be really close was the answer that Snicker gave. And this is not a surprise, but the lineup today was uh, Acuna, Albies, Freeman, Ozuna, Darno, Swanson, Riley. Jake Lamb was DHing and hitting eighth, and then Pacha hitting ninth. And that, that does seem like a lineup yeah. that they would use. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm not surprised by that, but it was worth noting. We'll obviously say the, the full-blown uh, preview of the lineup for later on, but I have I was sort of nodding along like, yeah, that sounds about right, I guess. Yeah, I think, of course, we've seen how they have to leave Acuna. Well, they don't have to leave him there, but he is so dynamic out of that leadoff spot. Um, there was some talk that how Freddie Freeman, as long as the DH is not thrown in, at the very last minute, Freddie's going to bounce back to third. I know there was some debate about whether he should be hitting second behind Acuna. I am team second, down. by the way. Team second for me. Yeah, see, and I'm, I am I mean, either way, I mean, I don't feel strongly one way or the other. I kind of get why. I mean, obviously, if, if it's the ninth inning, I would rather have Freddie Freeman at the plate than Ozzy Albies most of the time. I mean, I guess if it was a lefty, maybe you could argue. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that was a little bit of a discussion. Of course, you're going to have Ozuna. Darno, I think with Dansby, as we've seen, you know, he, he has a month where he's hitting 500 and then he'll have a month where he's has two hits in the last four weeks. Um, so there, there's some versatility. There's some flexibility here. Um, but, yeah, I, I certainly think today's lineup was was as close to what we'll see on opening day as you can really get at this point. Yeah, honestly, you know, I just said this, and I, I think Freeman should hit second, but I, it doesn't like infuriate me that he doesn't. If that makes sense, like I, I'm on record as having him hit second if I was if I was in charge. But the lineup as as was on Sunday, including Lamb, like if they had to have if they had a DH, if they were playing an AL team, uh, I would probably use Lamb there, depending on who was the pitcher. So yeah, that's kind of the lineup that I'm I'm fine with. Uh, We'll spend more time on this later on, but I thought it was at least interesting that Snicker kind of copped to that today, uh, even if it was pretty much on a tee for him <laughs> on some level. Um, the other thing that was newsworthy, if you want to say this, and we kind of knew this already, but The Athletic repeated and reported that the Universal DH and expanded playoffs are now, quote, dead issues, end quote, for this season. Um, obviously, nothing is 100%. But it, you know, there was some like faint hope that they might come to the last second. Like, like last year, for instance, they came to the agreement very, very late on a couple of things. It seems like that's not going to happen. We kind of knew that, but uh, it seems even more so now. Yeah. Well, and with the back and forth between the union and the owners about the possible delayed start date, pushing back spring training and all of that. I mean, this is obviously not a good faith bargaining situation here by any means. So if if the owners really view expanded playoffs as an even one for one DH trade, which is just ridiculous to me, I, I just I, I'm with you. I I, I don't want to say it's completely impossible, but I would say as of recording this on the evening of March seventh, I mean maybe a five percent chance that a DH gets thrown in at the last minute, but I I would be surprised at this point. Yeah, it seems like it's very very unlikely. Which you know it affects the Braves as we've discussed a million times, but uh, it's on the table. I. I... You know, we, we both want the Universal DH to happen at some point. I think it will. The expanded playoffs, I, I, I'm fine without those. I don't want those. <laughs> but uh, DH-wise, there you go. Okay, um, before we dive into, like, the players, 
that are going to be in, in place when it comes to the, the starting rotation, as we'll do in a second. I want to spend a couple minutes here just talking about last year's rotation. Um, and I, I tweeted out a teaser earlier of this, but it's a good reminder of how good the offense and the bullpen were last year because yeah. this is a rotation yeah. that was unspeakably bad last season, and they still <laughs> were one game from the World Series. <laughs> yeah. Uh, granted, by the end in the playoffs, it was much better because they had the young guys and all that stuff. But on the whole, I will read a couple numbers here for you to react to, Scott. They were 24th last year in Fangraphs War, which isn't, you know, terrible, but very bad for a playoff team. Uh, they were third worst. They were 28th in ERA among starting pitchers last year. It was 5.51. Now, again, they made the NLCS. This is a team that <laughs> made the NLCS and had a starting rotation ERA of 5.51. Now, it gets worse. Max Freed, who was awesome last season, and Ian Anderson, who came up and was lights out, those two guys combined for a 2.41 ERA. That's good. Everyone else, and that, by the way, this includes Mike Soroka, who pitched pretty decently before he got hurt, but I, I left him in there to be just a little bit charitable to the rest of the rotation. But the rest of the rotation, this is everyone that started a game other than Freed or Anderson, combined for a 6.91 ERA last season. Oh. In 173 innings. So it was, not, it was like there was nothing. This is almost a you know a full workload of innings. I'm going to read some more numbers for you real quickly. This is, this is player for player. Kyle Wright had a 5.21 ERA last year of the regular season as a starter, and he brought the ERA down. <laughs> Josh <laughs> Josh Tomlin, 6.33. Tuki Toussaint, 7.52. Cole Hamels, 8.10. Robbie Erlin, our old friend Robbie Erlin, 8.15. Lascar Yanoa, 8.53. Tucker Davidson in his one start, 10.8. Sean Newcomb, 11.2. Tommy Malone, who they traded for at the deadline, 14.9. <laughs> and Mike Fultonavich, one start, the famous one in which they basically released him after the game, 16.2. So oh. that is all of the guys that are basically, other than Freed Anderson and Soroka, that pitched in the rotation last year. Uh, I mean, what do you even <laughs> say? It's just kind of... It, we knew this. We, we talked about it a lot, but it really hit me in, re in researching for this podcast just how bad it actually was. Yeah. I mean, you read those off and... And it's a rhetorical question because we know how insane the lineup and the bullpen were. But, like, how on earth did this team – I mean, not only did they get within a game of the World Series, but they were pretty comfortably in first place in the National League East, like, all year. They like, cruised, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, it was, you know, because of a 60-game season, I, I think there was maybe, what, like four or five days left in the year. But that's not even a – I mean, that was just more of a mathematics thing, right? Like you can only expand out your lead so much in 55 games. Um, yeah, just insane. I, I knew it was bad. I, I guess I didn't realize it was that bad. Um, holy smokes. I mean, it's it's really a testament. And the thing is, this time last year, we felt pretty good about the rotation and yeah. the Braves' depth. We thought, oh, they have six, seven guys if if – Someone like Kyle Wright or Bryce Wilson take a step forward. Maybe they even have an eighth guy. This depth is going to be great. Felix Hernandez looks good. I was going to say, Sean and, Newcomb, Felix Hernandez, Cole Hamels, those are all yeah, names. <laughs> Cole Hamels is going to be back middle of April, right? Like he's going to be good to go. And, and of course, you know, this is not the same group. And I think the projections and most people are much higher on this group of six or seven or eight now versus a year ago. But man, um, it really is alarming to hear those numbers in a, you know, again, in a 60 game season, things are going to get weird, but I mean, it's almost, it's, it's almost amazing to me 
looking at those stats that they were able to not only win the division and, and cruise. I mean, they didn't lose a playoff game until game three of the NLCS. Um, I mean, mostly cruise through the first two months of the year, despite having literally like one good pitcher the first couple months and then Ian Anderson, his greatness the last couple of weeks. Yeah, just just a wild sequence. Uh, you know, again, 28th in ERA and you win the division. It's really hard to do that. Uh, even if you take the take the playoff stuff out, all, all that stuff. Simply put, if you were 28th in, in Major League Baseball in ERA and you win your division by multiple games, I don't know how that happens, but it happened. So we watched that. Um, before we get to the players, last stuff, you know, some projections for this year. Um, they're obviously a lot more rosy. It is worth pointing out, as you just did, that the Braves were not supposed to be that bad as a rotation last year. Now, I will say... I know you and I did this, uh, Eric, to some extent as well. We were not like over the moon about rotation last year coming into the season. We thought it'd be solid for sure, but yeah. not like awesome. We knew that it wasn't like a huge strength for them last season. This year, it's kind of the same. Like they're supposed to be pretty good, not in, not elite. And that backs up with the Fangraphs projections that I, I pulled today. Fangraphs projects the Braves ninth in rotation war, which is, you know, that's solid top 10, tied for fourth. In rotation ERA at 4.10, which is obviously quite good. Um, and by the way, this is the order in which they project the rotation in terms of uh, war. It's actually Charlie Morton first, then Max Freed, then Soroka, Anderson, Smiley, and then Kyle Wright in sixth. But the thing is about the, the projections here, and we'll get into this a little, bit, a little bit later as we get into players, but they actually project the Braves to have the sixth fewest starting pitcher innings in baseball this year. Hmm. And I wonder if that's because they have some guys who have not... I mean, other than Morton, really, they don't have a lot of guys who have thrown a ton of innings. Even even Freed uh, and Soroka's one season, they're, they're not like 200-inning guys no. that we've seen. So that's probably part of this. But the only guy that Fangraphs has projected for more than 144 innings is Charlie Morton. Hmm. Which is just interesting. I'm not saying it's right. I mean, I think the smart money would be that one of these guys has more than that in terms of innings, maybe oh, more yeah. than maybe more than one. But it yeah. just kind of speaks to the fact that, as a reminder, there isn't a lot of evidence. Um, not not to say that they can't do it, but these guys have not, other than Morton, again, have not proven to be like huge workload guys for a full season. So it's kind sure. of a question mark. No, I mean, I think there's a legitimate question mark with just about everybody in the rotation. I mean, this is not 1998 where you have Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz and you just pencil them in for 600 plus innings and 50 wins. Um, there are questions with, with everyone. I mean, as you said, Charlie Morton, when he has been healthy the last couple of years has been very, very good, but at his age, I, I don't think you can realistically expect him to make 35 starts. And if you're going to presumably make a playoff run, you're going to want him to be throwing well in September and October. And maybe that means you have to give him a little bit of an extended breather at times in May, June, and July. Um, Mike Soroka is coming off major Achilles surgery. You, you would presume that he's going to make a full recovery. He's a young man. And by all accounts, he's progressing well. Um, Max Freed has had some injuries over the course of his career, some severe, some like he had the weird blister issue and, and some other just kind of little tweaks here and there. Um, Ian Anderson, as good as he was, has pitched in the big leagues for about a month. Drew Smiley, I, I mean, I literally have no idea what Drew Smiley's going to do this year and and so on and so forth. So while there is, I think, a lot of upside with this rotation, I think it has top five uh, upside for across the league. Um, there are some very legitimate questions with, with just about everyone. And I think that's probably why there are not three guys projected for 190 innings right now. Yeah, realistically, and I'm knocking on wood the way that you did earlier on the podcast, uh, 
I don't think it's going to be as bad as it was last year. It would be hard to be as bad as it was last year. A lot would have to go wrong. But there is some downside here. There is definitely a world in which this rotation is not capital G good this year. Uh, so that's in play. But to your point, they have upside too. Like It wouldn't blow me away if they were top yeah. five. Uh, so a lot of flexibility. It's a long season. And we'll talk about all these guys momentarily. But first, before we dive into them, a word from our sponsors on the podcast. So here they are. All right, Scott. Uh, what I want to do here is go through the guys who are not necessarily projected to be in the top five rotation because they're going to need them. One thing we learned last year as well is that they're uh, you need more than five pitchers, Scott. We knew that already, but it's uh, <laughs> it was driven home yeah. quite a bit last season that <laughs> so you have to have more than five. Um, and by the way, just as a refresher, the five projected guys are Soroka, Smiley, Morton, Anderson, and Freed. Um, so these are the guys that are not in that projection, but with, with Soroka's injury l- looming, there is definitely some room here, even before the season starts, for one, one or two of these guys to get some some action. But then as the season goes along, they're going to need some of these guys. So yeah. number one is Kyle Wright, who I think a lot of people thought might be in a rotation, like as a full-fledged member coming out of last season. He still could be at some point. It's worth noting, though, that Kyle Wright, um, while he was awesome late last season, had a couple good um, playoff starts as well, at least one, the one nasty one against Miami comes comes to mind. Uh, he's 25, which is not like incredibly young. And Kyle Wright's career ERA is 6.22 in the major leagues. Yeah. Uh, he was pretty bad in the first eight starts last year, a 5.21 ERA, and then was pretty good late. So everyone is hoping, including us, that he is the guy that we saw late last season. But mm-hmm. I would always advise to not assume that is now him all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it could be. I'm not saying it could be, but, uh, I, it just you, you can't assume that. In the spring, he's been fine so far. Four and a third innings, three earned runs. Not not great, not terrible. And the projection systems don't love him. And that's what happens when, when you have an when you have an ERA over six uh, for your career. Systems are not going to like you very much. So <laughs> I'll leave it up to you, Scott. Like, what do you expect from Kyle Wright? Because uh, you know they're going to need him at some point, and he's still talented, but it's not necessarily always been there. Yeah, I, I really don't have any read on him. He's a tough guy to figure out. He really, since he's come up, he has been more bad than good by, as you just said, a ERA above six for his career. But the stuff is there and he has flashed the ability to be really good at times. I mean, I think if you told me that in a year's time, we would have Kyle Wright as a number three starter long-term, I I wouldn't be surprised at all by that. Um, But as we've seen, it, it just seems like he's, he's just been, he's been close, but he just can't get there. And maybe, um, you know, you mentioned he pitched well down the stretch and then against the uh, Marlins in game three of the NLDS, um, him getting lit up by the Dodgers in a must win game three. I, I don't want to make excuses for the guy, but um, that was a, a very difficult situation to be thrown into. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, if, if you told me Kyle Wright's going to have a great year and end up making 25 starts while filling in for Soroka and then just spot starts, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're telling me that in, you know, he, he doesn't make more than three starts all year and just doesn't look good. And you're wondering what his long-term future is at the big league level. I wouldn't be surprised either. Yeah. I think Wright is kind of an encapsulation of the rotation as it is right now. And that he has high upside. He also has a pretty low floor at this point. So, I mean, he might be, I think he probably is the front runner to be the fifth starter. If Soroka can't pitch at the beginning of the season, would you agree with that? I think he probably has the yeah, most natural path. I think so. I, I think at 25 and being a high-level college player at Vanderbilt, I'm I'm just not sure what he has to to gain by being at either the alternate side or, or who knows when 
the minor league season is going to begin. But yeah, I, I, I would imagine just barring somebody like Bryce Wilson or Huascari Noah just blowing up in the next couple weeks, I think Kyle is probably the fifth starter. Yeah, you would think if Soroka can't go. So we'll see on right. I still believe in the talent. You know, when he looks right, it looks awesome. And that's worth pointing out. Like, that's something you want to see. When it, when it clicks, it really clicks. But um, I would just stress, again, not to ignore all the sample size because he was pretty good late last year. You're hoping for that, but it's not necessarily a guarantee. Um, the other two guys are Wilson and Enoa. Uh, Wilson has also had uh, some struggles in the major leagues, a career 5.91 ERA. He is younger than Wright. Uh, he was better last season and was awesome late last year, just like Wright was. Uh, he had yeah. a 2.08 ERA in the last four games in the regular season and then had that like, heroic performance against the Dodgers mm. in Game 4. So Wilson's another guy who, yeah. a lot of bad, and then really good last year. Uh, not quite the high-level prospect that Wright was, but definitely a real prospect. So. Yeah. Kind of similar? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's such a shame that they the Braves couldn't close out that series against the Dodgers because we would be talking about that Kyle Wright. I mean, we still will be talking about Kyle Wright's or uh, Bryce Wilson's performance for years. Just the way he went up against Clayton Kershaw and just shoved for six innings. Um, it, it's too bad the Braves didn't end up winning that series and go on to the World Series because that was just an all-time big boy performance from Bryce Wilson. But Alas, um, yeah, I mean, he has certainly shown at times he has the good fastball. He needs the secondary stuff. He needs a more reliable breaking ball and a, and I think a, a change up at least against lefties to kind of keep him, keep him off him a little bit. But yeah, again, I mean, I think Wilson is pretty much as you just said, right in the Kyle Wright camp where, if he has a really good year as kind of a hybrid fifth and sixth starter, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but if if it's more the same and he's unable to get through a lineup more than one time. The secondary stuff still isn't great. Again, he's 23, 24 years old. It's not like he's at the end of his uh, of the road by any means. But I think uh, this is an important year for him, and he will certainly be given opportunities whenever needed uh, to step in and, and serve as that starter whenever, maybe even in the bullpen as a, as a long man. If he pitches well there, maybe a little more higher leverage options. But yes, I, I think him and Kyle are probably in the same boat. Yes, I think they're very similar. Right is older, like you said. Um, I think we'll probably be a little bit ahead of him, but if Wilson is just like, you know, unconscious the next three weeks, then maybe he steps ahead of him. There's some fluidity there for sure. And then, you know, it's kind of interesting in that he wasn't considered on the level of the other two guys. Um, he also had the huge effort in game three last year in the playoffs to save the bullpen and another memorable showing of four scoreless innings. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I kind of thought of him more as a bullpen option for this year. And then Brian Sicker talk started talking about him being stretched out. So they're definitely going to try him as a starter. I am of the mind, and I don't know if you agree, I'm of the mind with what I have seen from Enoa. I still think he's probably better suited for the bullpen, uh, at least for the near future. But I can also see the argument for trying to stretch him out in Gwinnett and maybe see what happens there. I don't think he'll be starting unless you have a couple of guys go down this season. That's just my guess. But uh, I like the arm. Like, the talent is really there. And if you, sure. if you see him in, like, short bursts, he looks pretty awesome. Yeah, the stuff is there. I mean, he might have, I tweeted this earlier today, he pitched pretty well against the Red Sox. His last inning uh, got away from him a little bit, and there was some iffy defense and whatnot. But alas, uh, you know, his stuff is, is as good as really anybody in the organization. It's just a matter of, of learning how to better attack big league hitters, and, and command has always been a bit of a question. But yes, I, I think it, obviously he has far more value as a starter if that can happen Again, if if the minor league season seems like it's going to happen maybe a month into the year, I would probably be in favor of him pitching as a starter in Gwinnett. Just looking at his page now, 
he only made uh, 14 starts with uh, Gwinnett before uh, before last year in 2019. Only about 73 innings at AAA and then was barely at AA now looking at his page. He jumped three levels in 2019. So because of that, I, I think I would be in, in his age, 22, 23. I, I think I'd prefer him in the minors pitching every day and see if he could be a starter long term. But I'm with you. I think ultimately a bullpen role is probably in his future. Yeah, I, I'm always kind of on board with giving guys a chance to start until they can't. Uh, that's just such a more valuable role if you can figure it out. But um, so let him do it. If they need the help in the, in the sort of long relief role, you could slide him there. We talked about him a little bit last week with, with Eric and I as a bullpen option. If they don't love the Josh Tomlin kind of long man stuff, we'll see what happens there. But um, I think he's probably behind the other two in terms of just like likelihood to make an impact as a starter this year. But it would not surprise me if all three if all three of these guys make starts this year. Uh, you need you need more than five. You need more than six usually to get through the season, and yep. you might see these guys at some point in time. Um, Let's just go to Soroka now because Soroka is the biggest reason why they have some fluidity early on. The other four guys are at this moment healthy and projected to be in a rotation to start the season. Uh, Soroka, of course, is recovering from the long-term injury. There's been some mixed messaging, I will say, in the last couple of days. Uh, one report about how basically he doesn't have a timetable and could be out until you know late April, early May. And then tonight, Dave O'Brien on Sunday evening uh, wrote something about how Soroka pitched in a simulated game today on Sunday, pitched two innings, looked good according to a source. And then also he said, I'm going to quote DOB here. It's not unreasonable to wonder if it might be sooner than the widespread late April, early May speculation, end quote. So I don't know, Scott, who knows? Uh, I will say the one thing that's relevant that I I will point out is that they don't need a fifth starter until mid-April. And that that combined with the fact that Soroka is so important to them long term, I, I would, I would lean towards being careful there. Uh, you know, I, I guess if he's ready, he's ready. But I would guess he's not making a start until mid-April yeah. at the very at the absolute earliest. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. You can usually tell these things, of course, by when Mike makes his real game debut. Right. Yeah. I mean, a simulated game is exactly that. I mean, I. It was a step forward, but that was uh, not not that. Yep, (laughs) exactly. So we'll see. I mean, I think realistically, if he's going to be in the rotation as of opening week, even if it's not opening day, but opening week, I think he probably has maybe seven or eight days before he would have to make a start of some kind. And that actually might be short. I mean, that that actually might be long. Like, I feel like he probably needs to. (sighs) I'm trying to do the math. Like with free, they were talking about him needing four starts to get ready. Mm-hmm. Soroka, if he needs four starts, like he's got to pitch like this week um, for that to yeah. really be a thing. And again, why? Like, why are you going to mm-hmm. push this guy, especially because you don't need him? Like, it, it, I guess it might, for me, it wouldn't be different. But when you have four guys who are established stars in rotation yeah. and you don't, and you don't need a fifth for a while, like who cares if he pitches the, the first week of the season? Does that, yep. does that, does that actually matter? <laughs> I think. Right. I, I mean, if they were going to just throw some, you know, guy with zero chance to the wolves in the first week and you know a couple weeks of the year because <laughs> the games do matter because, so yeah. <laughs> right yes especially in you know what is easily the most competitive and difficult division in the league right like every game's gonna matter a win on april 1st is the same win as a win on september 1st um but as you just said you have kyle wright you have bryce wilson you have huascari noah you do not need to unnecessarily push Mike Soroka, uh, what, six months, seven months removed from major Achilles surgery. 
there, there's just no reason. And you have some off days early in the year. You can guarantee, uh, I guess not guarantee, but you will very <laughs> likely have a weather delay somewhere, right? Like you're, you're oh, yeah. guaranteed that, I mean, they're in Washington and Philadelphia that first week. You can't tell me it's not going to be like 35 degrees and raining one of those nights in Philly. Yep. Uh, it always is that time of year. Um, so, yeah, th- there's no need. I mean, if it was the World Series, sure, maybe you go out there and you say, hey, kid, give it all you got. But it's April 1st. It's a long year. Soroka is very, very important. So there is zero reason to bring him back. Even if he says and the team doctors say they think he's 100 percent, give him another week. I mean, what what's it going to hurt, Brad? If we, if we do our post or end of season podcast saying, well, you know, if Mike Soroka was out there on April 5th instead of April 17th. You know what? If, if, I, if I do, if I do that, <laughs> please flame me on the, please flame right. me in the comments. Right. If I do that, yeah. I won't, I don't think. Um, but if I lose <laughs> my mind and we, and if I lose my mind in October and we're coming on this podcast, yelling about, about how Mike's worker was, was soft and couldn't pitch for 10 days. I'm not going to do yeah. that, but yeah, yeah I'm with yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, <laughs> you have depth for a reason. There, there's a reason again that John Coppola, uh, bless his heart. RIP, like RIP. Every, <laughs> every pitching prospect in the world, because you you need seven, eight, nine guys that you can give the ball to with, with fairly level, you know, high confidence level. Um, so yeah, use those guys. Let Mike get a thousand percent. You're going to need him. You're going to need him healthy at the end of the year. Um, I am firmly team. Let Kyle Wright or Bryce Wilson have a start or two or three, and let Soroka get up to speed. Yeah, so I guess the last last question on Soroka, because you and I are in alignment on this, is what do you expect from him when he's actually healthy? Now, we're all guessing because he's not pitching in a long time and the injury could be interesting there. He wasn't great last year, but it was three starts, so like, who really cares? Uh, he was very, very good, obviously, in his breakout season two years ago. But the projection systems, like Steamer has him for a 4.190 RA, Zips is 3.81. I take the under on both of those, especially mm-hmm. especially Steamer. But Soroka's a guy who, you know, his peripherals are not, he's not striking out 12 guys per nine. Like, he's not going to be a guy who's just completely dominant all the time. So, I'm glad Eric's not here to cloud us on this one, because <laughs> Eric, Eric absolutely like absolutely loves Mike, and he should. Mike Soroka's very good at, at baseball, but yeah. what are you expecting when he's actually, provided he's just a normal, healthy timeline, he's back, and he's just back from that point in time, is he going to be dominant or just, like, pretty good? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Mike is just kind of an oddity in today's game because so many guys are throwing mid upper 90s. And again, he just he just pounds the strike zone. The command is so, so good. He knows how to attack. So, yeah, I think, I mean, the 4.19 ERA seems ridiculous to me. I, I don't I mean, Steamer's not the best projection model by any means. I feel like that's just that's just uh, that's just the strikeouts and walks. I'd imagine like sure. I'm just guessing, but that has mm-hmm. to be what it is, right? Yeah, I mean, his his career ERA through 37 starts, 214 innings is 2.86. His FIP is 3.4. His ex-FIP is 3.87, though he really does limit hard contact really well So and keeps the ball on the ground. So, yeah, I mean, if if I think probably a 3-4, a 3-5 ERA seems reasonable to me. I'm guessing he's going to have a little bit more rust than your normal pitcher, just considering he hasn't pitched very much over the last 18 months, but um, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why, unless he's just pitching through injury and doesn't say anything, or if he's not a hundred percent, but isn't saying anything, I, I would sure think it will be more of the same for Mike and, and we know why he's successful and he should not stray away from that by any means. Yeah, I agree. So I think he'll be good. I don't think he's necessarily going to be a Cy Young winner multiple times, unlike Eric, who will tell you that he will be. Uh, I'm <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I'm not kidding, but uh, I, I think that, 
my baseline expectation for Mike Soroka is that he is good. Uh, maybe not like, you know, number one pitcher in baseball. Great, but good and good for a long time. So, uh, all right, Drew Smiley time. Let's, let's pivot. Uh, I will say, we talked about Drew Smiley when they signed him long, long ago. Uh, I think, in retrospect, I feel like I'm really high on Drew Smiley compared to a lot of the reactions. People are really upset about that in a lot of ways. Especially now, I, got, I still get my mentions, people that are upset about a contract because of the Braves not spending a lot of money this offseason. It's like, oh, they had enough money to spend $11 million on Drew Smiley. It's like, well, yeah, Drew Smiley might be good. He might be might be bad. We'll, we'll see. Uh, really a lot of volatility here for Drew Smiley. Uh, he'll, be yep. thir- he'll be 32 in June. Uh, he was quite good from 2012 to 2015. He had a low threes ERA and almost 400 innings in the American League. He was awesome. Then he wasn't great in 2016. He got hurt after that, missed two full seasons. Then he was bad in 2019. But then he was awesome last year in a very small sample size. Uh, the arm talent is supposed to be great. We've seen flashes of that. Um, and no one knows what to make of Drew Smiley uh, in terms of projections because, like, when he's been good, he's been really good. He also missed two years and was bad in the year he came back. So, shrug, I have no idea. I will just yeah. say before I turn it over to you, $11 million for one season is not some exorbitant figure for a, for a starting pitcher. That's my number one point always is that yeah. for him to be reasonably paid on that contract, the bar is fairly low. Like, if he's just, like, a one-and-a-half war pitcher, he pays for himself. Keep that yeah. in mind. So an interesting quote I'm looking at here. He made a start a couple days ago. He told a uh, friend of the program, Gabe Burns of the AJC. Uh, Smiley said, quote, this whole spring I felt great. I feel like I have a great idea of the kind of pitcher I am now. Yeah, baby. It takes, it takes a long time for a lot of guys to figure it out. The game is always evolving. You have to keep making adjustments, but I feel like I am in a really good place and know how to pitch, how to attack hitters, and I'm just trying to carry that over, end quote. So I called Drew Smiley the most interesting man in Atlanta a couple of days ago, and I truly think he, <laughs> he, he might is be. Yeah. Uh, with respects to uh, you know all other professional sports teams in the area. I, I have no idea. I mean, if you want to go rosy on Drew Smiley, um, his – his underlying metrics last year were like as good as anybody. And we're yeah. talking about like five starts, but he was up there with like the Shane Bieber and Jacob deGrom in terms of like limiting hard contact and strikeout percentage. I mean, he was unreal, but you're also talking about five starts in a 60 game season when everybody's just trying to stay healthy and, and get through the two months. So I have no idea. It was clear that Alex Anthopoulos in the front office Really, really like Smiley. Yeah, everybody always talks about Jake Arrieta, the way that he completely changed. And, and even Charlie Morton, for that matter, too. He was a ground ball, soft contact guy for the first decade of his career. And then he went to Houston and learned how to spin a baseball and add some velocity. And all of a sudden, he is who he is today. Um, who knows where Smiley's going to be? If you tell me that he is the best brave starter on a per-start basis this year, I wouldn't be surprised if you tell me that three weeks into the year he gets hurt and he's never really the same and it turns into like Cole Hamels 2.0, I wouldn't be surprised either. So that that's kind of where I'm at with Drew. Yeah. Um, the, the Hamels comp is an interesting one because Hamels, you know, was good for a long time and was pretty steady. Obviously had some highs and lows and was a Cy Young winner and was awesome at times. But part of his appeal last year, it's kind of funny to think about this now, was that he was pretty safe. 
Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he got hurt, and that's why he didn't pitch. But coming in, like, there was some safety in that contract. Smiley is the opposite. Smiley is a there's a world in which he's just fine. Like that's definitely on the table. Like that that's in play for him to be just yeah. like a solid four starter this year. That's mm-hmm. that's one of the scenarios that's definitely in play. There's also like you said, there's a scenario in which he's awesome. Uh and maybe only in 20 uh, 20 starts or whatever, but sure. where he just pitches great. Or he might get hurt or he might be bad. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. there really is the whole spectrum on Drew Smiley. I think the median outcome uh, and I st- I might be wrong about this. I think the median outcome is worth the deal they gave him. I really do think that. I thought that at the time. I've not changed. In fact, the market probably dictates where I like the deal even more now than I did in November. Like, I made this comparison a few weeks ago, but guys who were probably not as appealing to me got as much or more money than he did over more, maybe even multiple seasons. So yeah. I'm okay. It may not work. Trust me, I'm prepared for this to not work. <laughs> Drew Smiley is yeah. a risk on some level. This is not a safe signing. But this is also a signing you can make easier when you have Kyle Wright and you have Bryce Wilson. Uh, yeah. And not to say that they have overwhelming depth, because as we saw last year, it doesn't matter. Uh, but I think there is some flexibility here, and they can pull the trigger to remove him if he's sure. bad, or if he gets hurt, they have somebody step in. So I kind of like it. I'm not going to tell you I'm over the moon about Drew Smiley, but... <laughs> I don't I don't mind Drew Smiley, and I think right now, at least what I've seen, I'm not sure if you've seen the same thing I have, but I think the fan base is like not thrilled with the Drew Smiley experiment, um, mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm I'm more okay with it. That's where I am. I'm good with it. I think the timing of it was just what threw. I mean, it, threw it was early. Me off. Yeah. I mean, when I I I vividly remember sitting in my uh, in my office at my real world job when the tweet that the Braves signed Drew Smiley for 11 million dollars came up. I'm like, who? Who did they just give? Yeah. Did they give eleven? Is this a fake account? You know, is this is this Braves Cody messing with me again or well, something es- like that? Especially like, because we didn't know. Like at least I didn't know how good he was last year. Honestly, I had no clue. Oh yeah, yeah. Until until we looked at it because we have to, and that's what our job is. You and I. Like, did you know he was really good last year? Because I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I had no. I. I mean, I'm on the West Coast. I see a decent number of Giants games just being on at seven o'clock, and I. I, I couldn't have told you Drew Smiley was still pitching in the big leagues a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truly, honest to God, I, I mean, I, I won't lie about it. I, I believe, no I believe you. I so, trust me. I believe you. So, you know, again, for Anthopolis to go out and give $11 million to him, it's a lot. maybe it was a little bit of an overpay. Maybe he had a two year deal elsewhere and, you know, he wanted to lock it. You know, he had to give an extra million or two in order to lock it in. Um, but no, that's I, I think I'm pretty yeah, sure. It, and I think if if Charlie Morton was the first guy to sign, and then two weeks later they signed Smiley, I think the reaction would have been a little bit differently because mm-hmm. I think some people saw the eleven million dollar number and were like, "Is this the guy? Like, really? That on November tenth or whatever day it was, like this is your big pitching addition?" Like at that point they had five, six, seven starters, right? I mean, nothing said they had to add Charlie Morton. Um, so, yeah, I, I have no idea what to expect from Smiley this year. He could be very good. He could make five starts, get hurt, and then we're like, what the hell were they doing? <laughs> yes. um, but but truly, uh, there, I think there's like 10 realistic outcomes that we could probably list off, and and who knows what we'll get. But I, I do like the signing. I think, I think we're in agreement. We like it a little bit more than most, and there's some upside there, and maybe it doesn't work out. But that's, that's why you gather seven or eight pitchers who you feel pretty good about. 
Yeah, that point about Morton is an interesting one. I, I think I agree. If they if they had signed Smiley later, or if they hadn't done it so early, or if it wasn't, you know, if it's nine point eight million dollars and it's not a it's not an eight figure number, do fans feel the mm-hmm. same way? I, I, it's that it's the weirdness of how things happen sometimes. Uh, yeah. Maybe they maybe they did overpay, and I I tend to agree with that theory of yours that like they just gave him eleven million to to make him sign right then. It was like, all right, Drew, sure. we want you, but you have to sign this right now, and you're you're the guy we want, but you have to sign right now. Yeah. And maybe that costs you an extra million dollars. Like that's definitely mm-hmm. in play. So that's enough on Smiley. Uh, we've been talking about him all, all off season, but uh, he's interesting. He will be a pivot point for, for, for the rotation. That's for sure. Uh, on the opposite side, you have Charlie Morton. So Charlie Morton is very safe on paper, other than the fact that he's old. So Charlie Morton is thirty-seven. He's making fifteen million dollars this year. That is a very appropriate contract for him, um, given what he's done for a long time. Uh, last season, he wasn't fantastic in the regular season. But he got unlucky. His FIP was like a run and a half lower than his ERA. And he was really bad in his first start last season. That's one of the things that you have to look at to kind of dive in. He had an awful first start and then had a 3.71 ERA after that, yeah. which is like totally fine. And then in the and then in the playoffs, he had four starts, 2.7 ERA against the, against the Yankees, the Astros, and the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> Charlie Morton was good last year. I know it doesn't. I know if you look at the numbers like just one glance, it doesn't look all that impressive. But if you combine playoffs with what he did after his first start of the season, he was the same guy he's been for the last half decade. He was really good. Yeah. Um. And the last four seasons, by the way, a three point three four ERA with really good peripherals. Like he's been good for a long time. Mm-hmm. The only the only question I have is he's is that he's thirty seven years old. Like that's it is a question. When you're that age, it might end at any point, and that's that's yeah. the risk here. But there's a reason why the projection systems like Zips and Steamer have him as the best pitcher for the Braves, and it's because if he is the same guy he's been, with with all apologies to Max Freed and Mike Soroka, he's been better than them. Like he, he Charlie Morton is really good, like yeah. really good. <laughs> yeah, and he and he's been really good since 2015 or 2016. Yeah, and yeah, I'm with you. I I don't think you can realistically count on him for for 30 plus starts and 200 innings. Although in today's game, you can probably count on two or three hands, the number of guys who can realistically do that anymore. And, and honestly teams that will let their pitchers do that anymore, just the way that arms are so protected, but yeah, Hey, if if they can get 25 or so starts for, from Charlie Morton, they're going to be in a really good spot. You said it's a one-year deal, which is always good. Of course, with a guy, his age, um, the good news is he pitched on uh, Sunday. He had pitched in a simulated game before this, and then face the semi-normal Red Sox lineup. It didn't have everybody. And again, it's the second week of spring training, so you don't want to overanalyze. But the stuff looked really good today for those who saw him on MLB Network. Uh, his fastball was sitting uh, mid-90s, as it usually does. The the breaking stuff was really, really good. So uh, again, it's a long, long year. And at some point, I guarantee you that Charlie's going to hit the injured list, whether intentional or not, right? It might be the the groin pull or the the back strain and he misses three weeks. But ultimately, whenever he's on the mound, it sure seems like he's going to be very good and uh, keeping him healthy and productive all year will be very important. Yeah, I mean, he's he's 37. The the one knock, um, to your point, is that he's not been a 200-inning guy, which is in line with everybody else on the staff right now. Um, his career high for innings was actually two years ago in 2019 at the age of 35. So yeah. it's not like he's not done this r- relatively recently, but um, yeah, that's, that's the big question. It's, it's age and durability. Um, there's no reason to think based on what we've seen, based on the tracker for the last half decade that he won't be good when he pitches. It's just the question of how often he can pitch and the fact that he's 37. So mm-hmm. that covers it. I think I just want people to understand like Charlie Morton is probably underrated. 
I think, in terms of what he's actually been the last four or five years. Uh, at least yeah. what I, at least what I've seen. Like there's been like a lot of like, oh, he's solid. Like yeah, he's actually better than solid. <laughs> he's like a top fifteen guy. <laughs> he's really good. Yeah, like for the last half decade, he basically has been like a top fifteen pitcher in baseball over that time. Well, he had a six point one WAR in 2019 with the Rays. I think he was like third in Cy Young voting that. Year. That was his career best season, and he was like yeah. really, really, really good. And that, that might like overemphasize a little bit, but sure. yeah, I, I think that in general, like he's a two-time all-star that doesn't necessarily tell you that much, but it was back-to-back years in 2018 and 2019. And yeah, he was third in Cy Young in 2019. Like mm-hmm. he's been really good. And lately, I mean, sure. I don't want to overstate it either. He's not prime Shane Bieber. He's not Jacob DeGrom, but he really is, you know, top 15, 20 guy in baseball if he's healthy and right. So mm-hmm. yeah. You can't overstate it. He's really good. So he'll help you. Hopefully he stays healthy, knock on wood, and he can pitch the entire season. Um, all right, last two guys are the guys that were actually good last year, the only two guys that were good last year, uh, Ian Anderson uh. and Max Fried. So Anderson, we'll, we'll end with Max because Max was the uh, was the Cy Young contender for part of the season last year. Um, Anderson's still young. He turns 23 in May. He was obviously incredible last season. He had a 1.95 ERA in six starts and then followed it up with a 0.96 ERA in the playoffs. So what are you going to say about that? He was incredible. Um, it's worth noting that he actually wasn't very good in the minors before he, before he uh, arrived. At the very end of the minors, he was pretty bad in the last couple of seasons. But obviously the talent is what it is. He was a former top five pick. Uh, no one's questioning what he is capable of. Uh, the only real thing is like, can he do it again? And can and how real was it? Mm-hmm. It, looked, it looked real to me. He looked pretty darn good <laughs> to me. <laughs> so yeah. who, who knows? Yeah, I mean, he was, I mean, honestly, he was a godsend for what he did in September and October last year. Um, Who knows? I mean, right, that's the big question, right? He's never done it over a full year, and he's never had, I mean, last year was just so weird. Of course, in the playoffs, teams dug in on him a little bit more, but inevitably, hitters are going to learn him a little bit. They're going to make adjustments, and now it's Ian's turn to make adjustments to the adjustments as coaches always say. So um, there's so much to like the command was better than I think people expected last year. He did have some walk and command issues in the minors, but if he can keep that walk rate around, you know, I think 3.9 walks per nine last year, that, that feels fine for him. He's going to strike guys out. He, he didn't give up much hard contact at all, which is of course great. Um, so yeah, man, if, if he can give the Braves number three starter production with, alongside Morton and Freed, and if Smiley gives you stuff, and then, of course, once Mike Soroka gets healthy, um, there's a whole lot to like, and because there's so much depth, you don't have to you don't have to lean on the 23-year-old to be your frontline starter by any means. Um, I think there's, there's just so much potential and promise with Ian, and hopefully he's able to settle in as the team's third or fourth starter and have a really nice year. I mean, does he have the highest upside? This this season, like um, okay, okay. If I to fight from a different way, if I told you someone on the Brave staff finished top five in Cy Young voting this season, is he ooh. the most likely person to do that, or is it Freed? I, I would probably say Freed, um, just because we've seen him do it over a full year. But I, I think the better bet is honestly, if I had to bet who's going to lead the team in innings in the rotation this year. It, it might lean Ian Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, mean, it's kind of it's kind of right? funny. I mean, but, you yeah. know, you know that Morton and Smiley are not going to go two hundred, right? And Freed, Freed's never done it. Good, yeah, he's never done it. They, 
again, it's it's not his. He's had the blister issues. He always seems to have a little something going on, right? I yep. think the Braves. We've seen the velocity dip when he doesn't get little stretches to rest. So I think they probably want to prioritize it. Um, Anderson was incredibly durable in the minors, which is something to be said. Um, so yeah, I think. I guess to answer your question, I wouldn't lean necessarily in the Cy Young category, but if he if he leads the team in innings this year, it really would not surprise me. That's kind of crazy to say because he's a rookie uh, and he's never done it before at the big league level, but I, I don't think that's crazy at all. Yeah, so to wrap it up on Anderson, I don't think, in fact, I know, nobody is a true talent 195 ERA guy in the modern baseball game. Maybe, maybe DeGrom is or something, but like he's not that. I don't think like he, he got, he got a little bit lucky last year. That's not a, that's not a knock on him by any means. No one can be expected to throw a sub two ERA in the modern game with a ball flying out of the ballpark the way it is. So he's going to regress and we'll see where the baseline is. Like his FIP was still in the mid twos. That's still awesome. His XFIP was 3.45 Guess what? If his ERA is in the, in the low threes, that's still a huge win. Like, huge win. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, projection systems don't love him right now, and I think it's because of the walk totals from the minors that are getting mixed in there. Like, they're still projecting him for, like, almost five walks per nine. If he does that, it's harder to dominate if you're walking five per nine. Uh, but if he walks, like you said, you know, even in, the, even in the high threes, that's fine. Like, his stuff is so good. Strikeouts. I'm really intrigued to watch him for over a full season. I really am. Like he was so much mm-hmm. fun to watch when he came up last year. We all knew how talented he was. Our minor league guys liked him the whole time, but seeing, seeing what he was able to do after the way he was not dominating the previous year in the minors was like really kind of shocking, not because yeah. of, of the stuff, but because of just the way that it hadn't gone the last couple years before that. So yeah, we'll see. I'm uh, the, the upside's quite high. I, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical of the floor a little bit just because I would be if anybody, Unless they do it multiple years, I'm always like, all right, there's a little bit of downside here because you just haven't seen it. But man, he was so good that I'm, I don't, I don't even want to say yeah. that because I feel like it's not really there. But I don't know. I like I like Ian Anderson a lot. We'll see, we'll see how that looks. Yeah, I mean, with twenty, I mean, of course, it's our job to not be uh, rose colored glasses on every single person. And sure, we we have not seen him over a full year. Yes, um, he he's not even he's 22 years old, which is crazy. And again, there's going to be more video on him. Teams are going to scout more. Etc. Etc. Right. He's he's going to be on his twenty fifth start of the year, and that's different than when you're on start number three. Your arm's going to feel different. You're going to be tired. You don't know what city you're in half the time because you've been on the road for you know the better part of five months at that point. Um, but there's there's just so much to like. Um, I, I think it's he, he was as impressive as you could possibly ask for a year ago, and I, I would certainly think this time in six months we'll be talking about how good of a year he's had. That'd be fun, and the Braves would be uh, benefiting from that in a, big, in a big way if he's that good. Um, all right, last guy, Max Fried. You mentioned this. I'm going to start here because you said it a second ago about his longer rest thing. We talked about this before. I, lo- I looked it up today. It's true. Max Fried is oh, better yeah. on longer rest. Uh, yeah. Max Fried, in his career, has a 4.00 ERA on four days rest, which is fine. I mean, four, a four ERA in the modern game is, like, pretty good. You're fine with that. But it's 3.77 on five days rest. In 14 starts, it's 2.83 on six plus days rest. Hmm. Now, there's a little bit of small sample size uh, theater in here. It's tw- it's sure. only you know 48 starts total out of those three, but uh, it's anecdotal as well. Like he looks better and he throws harder on longer rest. Mm-hmm. So he's always been a guy that they might they might skip every once in a while. 
Uh, they're not going to do the six-man rotation. Sticker has said as much to have him even have longer rests, but you might see Freed skipped a couple times. That's one yep. thing. Uh, he was really good last year. That goes without saying. He had a 2.25 ERA uh, and was honestly in the Cy Young mix for a while, and then he tailed off at the very, very end, but still was awesome in the playoffs. Same thing, 3.04 ERA. He's the number one starter right now. I think you have to say that. At least that's the way that I view this. Obviously, Soroka was two years ago. But in terms of like highest median outcome for this year, is it Freed? Is it Morton? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's one of those two. I, I think it's probably Morton because I'm uh, I'm an old school guy who likes like who likes consistency. But it might be Freed. Like I think he's going to start sure. an opening day, isn't he? So yeah, I think so. I mean, he was game one. I mean, I guess they didn't really have any other options in the playoffs. But yeah, I think I think at this point it's it's Max gets the ball for the opening day, and I know some of that's just kind of ceremonial and all that but he he certainly deserved it and um you know it will be interesting to see how the Braves handle him because and this goes of course for everybody on the team but you want him to be throwing as well as he has all year in September and October and I think realistically if that's going to happen you're going to need to give him extra rest you're going to need to skip a start and I'm not saying that you're going to be without him for long stretches of time but anytime you have those uh you know, off day Monday, and then you play two games on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then they have another off day on Thursday, you know, utilize those opportunities to give him an extra day, skip a start, keep him fresh. Um, I would much rather have Max Reed, as as you just pointed out with those numbers, I'd much rather have the better results over 28 starts than never giving him a breather and having just, I mean, still pretty good numbers, but not nothing spectacular across 32 starts, if, if that makes sense. It does. And, you know, his FIP's been higher than his ERA in three of the four seasons. Um, you know, some of the systems don't love Max Freed. They think he's, like, good. I mean, he's projected for, like, three wins on Steamer and Fangraphs, Steamer, Fangraphs, Zips, all those mixed together. Like, he's, he's seen as a very good pitcher, but not an elite one. And that's probably true. But I, I think it's interesting to kind of see where his baseline is because – you know, there are some pitchers that can outperform their FIP repeatedly. Uh, he may not be one of them, but so far he kind of has been. And when he looks good, man, it is scary. Like Max Freed, when he's on, is unhittable pretty much. Um, so yeah. I'm interested to see where that where that, <laughs> where that level finds itself. But, you know, in his career so far, it's 281 innings, but he has a 352 ERA. That's really good in the modern game, mm-hmm. man. Like that's like a top, you know, 30, 40 pitchers in baseball level for, for yeah. if, that, if that's his normal level. So yeah, I mean, you'll take that. I think Max Freed like may not, may not be what he was last year because I think you have to project him to not have a 2.25 ERA this season, but he's still really good. I just, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued to see where really good is. Like, does that mean like actual no doubt ace or is he more in that next tier or two down? And that's not yeah. a shot at him either way, but that's, that's kind of the difference here with my, with, with Freed about what he actually is. Yeah, I mean, when Max is feeling it, uh, the first game of the playoffs comes to mind against the Reds. When Dialed. he has his, I mean, <laughs> when he has his fastball working up in the zone, and then he just works in that curveball that is just, I mean, it looks like it's going to hit you in the face, and then it just goes right down the middle of the plate, right? I mean, that's there's nothing you can do when he has his fastball and his curve working. Um, so yes, absolutely, I think he has the highest ceiling. Um, if if you're telling me he's going to end up being in the top five or so of Cy Young voting in a year's time that would not surprise me in the least and again hopefully like all these guys they they give him rest they they 
make it as, as smooth as possible for him to get through 162 games because, as we have seen, he is just flat-out dominant at times. And if that means pulling back the reins a little bit here and there over those summer months, I, I think you certainly do it. And hopefully you ride him to a good year and you can get 25, 30 starts out of him, no problem. Yeah, uh, I feel good about Max Freed. I guess we should do a wrap-up here and just – we said it a little bit earlier, but – we're, I want to take your temperature on the on the rotation as it is right now. Like I told you before, like the the, the Fangraphs projections are in the top ten. Do you feel that's like correct ish? Like, do you feel good about the rotation? Do you feel yeah. ecstatic? Do you feel negative? Like, where, where's your kind of current thought? March seventh on the rotation. I think it it's plenty good enough for what the Braves are trying to do this year. Um, is it the Dodgers? No. Is it the Padres? No. But you don't necessarily need to be the Dodgers or the Padres until the last series of the year, the second last series of the year. So I think there's a lot to like. There's a lot of upside. There is some risk with injuries, and who knows how some of these guys are going to do. As we've outlined, there are legitimate questions with just about everybody. Um, but the good news is, and again, you, you never want to count your chickens before they hatch, but seven, eight guys you feel pretty good about at this point to kind of help make up for any injuries that come up or if guys need a couple weeks off for whatever reason. Um, I like the depth. I like the mix of of youth and upside, but also some veterans who have been around the block a bit. Um, I think Charlie Morton is someone who is very, we didn't mention this when we were talking about Charlie, but he is very highly regarded uh, around baseball. I believe Tyler Glass now with the Rays talked about how Morton really helped him develop into one of the game's premier young righties. Yep. Um, again, that, that's not a guarantee by any means, but by all by all accounts, Charlie is very, very good as a uh, as a teammate, as working with guys in side sessions. So you hope that some of that veteran, uh, the veteran presence we always joke about, kind of rubs <laughs> off on these on these half dozen young guys. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot to like. There are some questions. I'm sure there'll be a roadblock here or there, but. Um, I do like this group of seven or eight, and I think it's enough to get them through the year. And, and uh, the other thing, too, hey, if, if you need a midseason addition, it's not impossible. You can always make that adjustment. But I think at least for the first couple months of the year, knock on wood, no major injuries. Everyone's able to be OK. Soroka is able to recover uh, 100 percent from his surgery. But overall, I, I do like this group a lot. Yeah, I think it is a above average rotation on paper. Um, there is some downside. There is some upside. We talked about a lot on this show, but I, I feel fine about it. Probably fine to good about the rotation. It's not going to be a situation where I come into the season talking about how it's the overriding strength of the team because it's probably not, but it it could be. I mean, th- there is definitely a world in which the rotation is a a strength or maybe even the strength if it all worked out perfectly. I'm not saying it's going to, but it's that's in play. I uh, would still rank it behind the, behind the lineup for sure. Um, in terms of the pecking order of like the three units, the lineup, the rotation, and the bench. I'm not the bench and the bullpen. Um, whereas last year it was clearly third <laughs> uh, by a lot. Uh, I would have I probably have the lineup one, then the rotation, then the bullpen at the moment. Um, do you yeah. agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think this rotation could be very, very good. Yeah. I mean, if if a few things break right, this could truly be like a top three top five rotation if, if most everything goes right and it certainly can i mean they have a lot of i mean all five all six if you if you want to count right and wilson but even just the five all five guys in the rotation could be like three 
plus war guys this season. Oh, for sure. They all yeah. have that capability. So again, that's not likely to happen. You're not likely to have everyone be as good as they can be. But if you just go like guy for guy on the list, they're all capable of being quite good this season. So yeah, yeah there's <laughs> there's really upside there. This is not like us sitting here and bullshitting for 15 minutes about we Sean Nuka. We don't we don't do that. And, yeah. and being like well, you know, Sean, this could be the year where he doesn't walk 11 batters per nine innings. You know, like we're not, we're not doing that. <laughs> we, we did that Thank a little God. bit. Uh, um. <laughs> but no, I, to, yeah, I, honestly, there were times when the when you're talking about like talent wise, and if we were doing that with, with, with Wright and Wilson, we'd be doing that. You know what I mean? If they were in the rotation, sure. it's, it's projection at that point. We've not really seen them do it aside from small sample sizes. But the five guys who are in the rotation right now, Freed has done it. Soroka has done it. Anderson like really did it last year in a small sample mm-hmm. side, but still did it. Morton's been awesome. And then Smiley is a bit of a weird one, but even then, he's had full seasons where he was good in the major leagues. Yeah. So yeah. there's no like out of thin air projection here for prospects. These guys, I know Anderson's still kind of a prospect, but he just did it basically for 15 starts. So Well, in a in a top prospect at that, right. too. Right. Like this is not a uh Tucker Davidson, who had some, so you know, who's who's gotten a little bit of hype, and I guess we should mention him as a possible, you know, eighth or ninth option for the rotation. But this was not Tucker Davidson having five or six good starts and then just banking on it being good. I mean, Anderson's been, of course, a top fifty prospect, a number three pick, so on and so forth. Yeah. So, in short, uh, probably going to be pretty good. Could be awesome. Always some downside because it's pitching and pitching is volatile. But uh, yeah, we'll be here to talk about it all. And hopefully nothing's going to change in a negative way. Uh, we'll obviously give you updates on Soroka, um, any other injuries that, that pop up in the, in the next couple of weeks. But our general plan on the pod is to do, uh, we'll do our, our lineup preview in the next week or two. We'll talk about the NL East at some point uh, on a separate podcast. And then our final show that we always do with some uh, some final projections in which I'm sure to be wrong and mm-hmm. hopefully in the wrong direction. Uh, so yeah, Scott, anything to add that you want to add, or if you've written anything, please feel free to plug it right now. If you'd like. No, as, as you said, uh, appreciate everybody downloading and tuning in and be sure to check out the site. There's, there's a ton of content there, player previews, um, spring training recaps. If, if you aren't able to listen or watch the games live, there's always good recaps on the site as well. So, um, thanks to everybody for tuning in and, and Hey, another, another week closer to games and, before we know it, we'll be in uh, Philadelphia and, and uh, lamenting Bryce Harper and, and all of the wonderful things about the Philadelphia Phillies. So good to be on with you, Brad, and uh, looking forward to some real baseball here soon. Uh, yeah, it'd be nice to have some baseball. Uh, it's coming. Hopefully everything stays on track. Subscribe to the podcast, everybody. Check out Scott's Twitter account where he discusses only Arizona basketball. That's <laughs> his uh, primary Ooh. function on the Twitter machine. Season's yes. over, so RIP to Scott's college basketball takes. Um, no, I'm kidding, but I'm not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I get to lament my bracket that's sure to be toast within like four hours of the tournament. Won't, won't they all be? It's coming up very soon. Uh, yeah, but follow Scott. Follow me if you'd like to. Follow the site for sure. Follow Eric. Follow Chris. Check out the Locker Room app for those live conversations, all that stuff. Rate and review, and we'll see you all next time.